This is the second message in the light of Pentecost. So I want you to understand something. There are historic events in the life of the church that have set the course for where we are today. The first event we know, and it was prophesied multiple times in days of old, is Christmas. That there would be a Savior that would be born. He would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. We know that uh, people, wise men, followed a natural uh, sign, a star from above that was prophesied that that's where you would find him. And Christmas happened, and it was the birth of the redemption of mankind. It was the birth of what was going to become the restoration of our relationship. And the restoration of our relationship in a personal sense came through the second event, and that was Easter. That there would come a time that uh, Jesus would have to go to the cross, pay the ultimate price for the redemption of our sin. Prophets of old multiple times prophesied about this in the book of Psalms and and, 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 and Isaiah in uh, Daniel. All throughout these Old Testament prophets have spoke about this. Why do I keep talking about the Old Testament prophet with the New Testament event? It's because it brings relevance and significance and truth that cannot be argued. And that these things were spoken, as I said in Joel, 835 years before the birth of Christ and 865 or so years before the actual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The third event that's significant to the history of the church is Pentecost. You cannot cheapen or dampen the idea of what this Sunday is about. This Sunday is about the birth of something, just like Jesus' birth was uh, about the birth of the redemption of mankind, the birth that happened in Pentecost was the birth of the New Testament church. It was the birth of Jesus uh, as death, burial, and resurrection. The church was birthed, and we are set on a course for his return. And the prophet Joel prophesied about that, and we're going to see that coming up. It's interesting. Nobody argues about Christmas. Nobody argues about Easter. But the whole church argues about Pentecost and the idea of what its significance means to us today. Make no mistake about it. Pentecost Sunday was the significant event that kicked off the New Testament church. It empowered the believers to be not just uh, uh, separated from God in a sense, but we are one with Him because we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. And we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so that's what transpired on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says a mighty rushing wind came and tongues like fire rested upon the people. But how do we know that that's for real. How do we know that that's the way it happened? In John chapter 1, verse 29, I want to take just a moment to be able to set a course here. And when I say a moment, I mean a moment. Hallelujah. Man, am I excited to preach this message today. John 1, 29. Then the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Wow. What a statement. John was making a prophetic declaration. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. Remember, John the Baptist made this statement. I must decrease so he can what? 
increase. And that's a statement for all of us. We all must decrease so that God can come in us and increase. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing in water. John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remaining upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, God said to him, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on, this is he who baptizes with, say it with me, the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3. This is what Luke said about that event. Starting at verse 15 of chapter 3, the Bible says this, And now... As the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John had been saying some things, setting things up. He was baptizing. And people were wondering if he was the Christ. Okay? And this is what he said. John answered to all, saying, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So this is what John the Baptist is proclaiming about what is going to happen about who this Jesus was. He was not just the, the Savior of the world, one that uh, we could have our sins forgiven, the one that was going to go to the cross for us, the one that was going to bring us that redemption that brought us into the place to where we could have a heavenly existence, but he was also the one who was going to baptize us with a power that was going to enable us to do what God had called us to carry out the mission of the kingdom. See, Jesus is a, not only amazing, He's powerful. He's not only powerful, but he comes with purpose. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Let's look at this real briefly. So this is Jesus now talking about this Holy Spirit. And he says to his disciples, if you love me in verse 15, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. I want to just say... The, the word another there means somebody exactly like the other one. The greatest example that I can give of this, this is going to be our 40th year of marriage. And there are times that we are in a conversation with people and I open my mouth and she says what I was going to say. Uh, or if we say it at the same time, we say the exact thing. So Tammy is like another person just like me. And I am another person just like her. Because we've spent all of this intimate time together since seventh grade. And we are just, we are like one person. And this is what he was saying about the Holy Spirit here. I'm going to give you another helper, one just like me, who's going to stand with you in the midst of your trials, your tribulations, your battles, your adventures. How comes everything has to be a bad thing in the kingdom? Amen? Amen. Woo! I'm telling you what, it is an adventure to be in the kingdom of God. How many of you would agree? If so, say amen. 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 So you got to amen like the Facebook people can hear you, okay? Amen. And I will pray the Father. 
See, the father is the instigator of all this. Let's go back to the very beginning in, in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, right? Jesus was there creating things. And then it says the earth was void. What's the next thing that happened? What happened? You have to understand this. Then the spirit of God began to hover upon the earth. And then the Bible says, then God said. See, it wasn't until the, the, the creator, the, the creative force of the Trinity came upon and began to hover on the earth that God began to say, create this and create that and create the other thing. Because this is what the Holy Spirit's about. He comes in these vessels and begins to create things that are so far beyond our imaginations, if we will allow him, that he empowers us to do the things that we are to do for the kingdom of God. Okay, so he goes on to say, I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Listen to me. The world thinks the Holy Spirit is foolishness. Why? Because they don't know Him. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be where? In you. You have to understand this. He's not just coming upon you for a purpose now. See, in the, Holy, in, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit just rested upon people when God wanted to speak something through them. He wanted them to accomplish something powerful. He wanted to release something prophetic. The, the Bible would say that the Holy Spirit would come upon them, but now it's a different situation. The same Spirit that rested upon Jesus at the time of His baptism for Him to be able to do all of the great things that He did is now what's coming upon us. He's not coming on us. He's living in us. He's not just going to be with us. He's going to minister through us. This is the amazing thing about what's happening. As a matter of fact, it's so powerful that the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is that spirit that's living inside of you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, no wonder I'm on fire for God. Hallelujah. No wonder I'm on fire for God. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now dwelling in me. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, for he dwells in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Go to John chapter 16. Verse 5 says this, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because you have said these things, uh, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. In other words, he was telling them that he has to go. That he has to get out of the way because there's something so incredible that's going to be released to the body. But it can't be released until he fulfills his prophetic destiny. And then this next thing happens. Verse 7. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. nevertheless. Something good always comes after nevertheless. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What a powerful statement. 
Here's Jesus. They're walking with him. He's doing miracles. They're a part of it. They've gone out and done some ministry on their own. And he's telling them it's to their advantage that he goes away. Why? For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What a powerful statement. Isn't it just like Jesus? Not trying to hog the spotlight. Not trying to, to be the, the center of everything. Not trying to say, look at me, look at me. He's saying, no, I have to go. Don't look at me. Because when I go, it's to your advantage. Now, turn to uh, Luke chapter 22 real quickly. Because I think it's really important for you to understand this. At the Last Supper, and I've said this several times when, when we take communion. This is what Jesus said. Some people don't understand fully what it means, but this is what it says in Luke twenty-two fourteen. 14. It said, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What was he saying? This is my last meal with you. I'm so excited to have this meal. I've desired to be here because I'm headed to the cross. It's to your advantage that I do that. And I have such a passion to do this because I know what's going to happen to you. I know what you're about to receive. You have no idea. Listen, I had no idea before the Holy Spirit filled me in the early 80s. No idea. I just thought that it came upon people and they spoke in a funny language that I didn't understand and it freaked me out and I didn't really know what was going on. That's what I thought. You know why? Because I was in the world. I neither knew him or saw him. So what I did hear about what I didn't know kind of freaked me out. I'll never forget when Tammy got saved. That there would be times that she would be praying for me and she'd be praying in the spirit. And I'd be like, Lord Jesus, what happened to my wife? She went to that Redeemer's church. She came back speaking in another language. Help me, Jesus. But I realized that she had something that I needed to have. That I needed to have. And so often, that's the way we're led to something in a, in a better dimension, when somebody that we're close to gets something that we should have as well. He said, I desire to eat of this Passover because it's to your advantage that I get out of here. Look at Luke chapter 24, just real quickly. And this is a, a scripture that just verifies what I talked about in the prophets of old. In verse 44, Luke 24, 44, then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus is saying, listen, I am the verification of those prophetic words. You can trust these events. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. 
And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are to be the witnesses of these things. And in verse 49, behold, everybody say behold. behold. I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are filled or endued with power from on high. He's setting up this event. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Can I have the worship team just go ahead and make your way back up here? Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the what? Here he says it again, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. You heard from me in Luke 24 about this exact thing. For John truly baptized with water. Here's the verification again. There are two separate baptisms. John baptized with water, but Jesus baptizes with the, the Spirit. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him and said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look at Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost, seven Sundays after Easter, 49 days on this 50th day, the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fire which sat upon each of them. And they were how many? How many? They were all filled with the Spirit. All of them. Why? I'm going to tell you why in a minute. And then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I hope you're writing this down because you need to read through all of this litany of Scripture that I gave you so that you can be as excited about this as I am. And then when we go to Acts 2.14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, they were accusing them of being drunk because something amazing was happening that they couldn't explain. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the, of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. When people ask me, I hear this more than I've ever heard it in my 30 years of ministry. Pastor, when is Jesus coming? When is Jesus coming? Well, I'm not exactly sure when he's coming, but I am exactly sure that we are in the last days. Why? Because this is a sign. In the last days it shall come to pass. What shall come to pass? 
that I will pour out my spirit upon all men. The Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, uh, 10.25, it says this, and this is why there is not ever going to be a new normal in the church. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10.25 that we are to gather together personally. At, do not forsake the coming together of the church. And this is why. Because you are going to have to be strengthened together for the work. Because it says at the end of that verse, because these are the last days. In the last days, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. That's why it was critical to as quickly as possible come back together to worship the Lord together. Because we're in the last days. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that he will do what? He will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. This is going to be revolutionary, what the prophet Joel is saying. He's going to talk about women in a way that they've never been talked about in the Old Testament. He's going to be talking about the, the lowly like they've never been talked about. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see dreams and old men shall, or young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams. Write down Acts chapter 10 and I want that to be your homework this week. I'm going to be preaching on this soon. Go to Acts chapter 10 this week and read about the visions that men saw to draw them into one of the most significant first events of the New Testament church. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Listen, Pentecost had to happen to set up the end. Hallelujah. Pentecost happened. We're setting up the end. Nobody knows when those last days will be. But I got great news for you. You are a winner. You are filled with the Spirit. You are called with a purpose. You have a destiny to do great things for the Lord. Mm. Would you all stand with me today? In the back... Because we're just kind of flying through this. We have offering plates in the back today. If you haven't mailed in a check like you have been doing, or you haven't gave online like you have been doing, and you want to actually do a physical uh, offering today, they're in the back there. On your way out, just drop them in there, okay? But this is what I want you to realize. That you are blessed to be a blessing. That you are called to do something amazing for God. And we have got to allow ourselves to rest in the midst of that. Today I want to end with this song that's going to hopefully encourage you to know that in every situation, God is with you and he wants to keep you. How many of you would say today, you would say, Pastor, I want a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. I got both hands up. 
I can tell you what God has in store for my life is going to take a double portion of the Holy Spirit. And I feel the same thing for you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, this morning on Pentecost Sunday, I pray right now for a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit into the lives of each believer. I thank you, Father, that you have called each of us to be a vessel of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you have called each of us to be a container to house this spirit that I've said would come upon us, would live in us, would dwell in us. And where do you want to dwell but in the midst of your church? Who is your church but your people? And so, Father, today I pray for a fresh anointing to come upon. I pray, Father, for an anointing that as these people open their mouth, that yokes will be broken and people will be set free. Father, I thank you, God, for each person who is saying, Lord, fill me. And I pray, God, that as they move forward to their destiny, that they would find this to be the most incredible ride that they've ever been on in their entire life. So, Father, may they receive a fresh impartation of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I can tell you this. We were either going to meet together today, or I was going to call y'all and tell you to meet me at aisle 16 at Home Depot, and we were going to have a church service at Home Depot. But why not come together? in God's house today. So I say this to you, the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. Folks, he's keeping you. Let his face let his face shine upon you. Because he is good and he's worthy to be praised.